0: Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Dyer and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, November 10th. Happy Veterans Day and a thank you to the 340,000 military veterans we have living here in Colorado. Let me introduce you to this week's panel, Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward Krista Kafer, columnist with the Denver Post, as well as Tyrone Glover, civil rights and criminal defense attorney, and Edith Lover, VP of Strategic Initiatives at the Colorado Chamber of Commerce and also the editor of the Chamber's online news site, The Sum and Substance. The Colorado Legislature is coming back together next week for a special session to deal with the increasing property taxes in our state. Governor Polis made the call on
1: Thursday following the defeat of Proposition HH on Election Day, Patty. Well, and thank you, Governor Polis, for announcing it on Thursday so we could talk about it on this show. I loved what he did, although there's a lot of debate about this. He went out in front of a group of media people, safety glasses on, had a baseball bat, whomped this plexiglass box that said, break in case HH fails, which of course it did so badly. And inside, once he opened it, he did not scatter glass over the media, it said, Call a special session, essentially. Now, of course, Republicans had been asking for that for months. And he waited. He wanted to see what happened with Prop HH, which went down so resoundingly. If he had called it earlier, we would have, or just gotten rid of HH, we would have saved a lot of money and saved the special session we're going into now. The legislature really should have dealt with it last year. I do want to say if conservatives and Republicans pushed this so well, why can't they fix the Republican Party? Why can't they get a good candidate? Because they certainly
2: had a big win here. Mm-hmm. Christo, would you like to answer that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you've got to put up good people, but this is still a deep blue state. Um, But it's a deep blue state that will not be hoodwinked into some kind of, hey, do you want a little bit of property tax relief? Oh, you'll have to give up your Tabor refund from now on. And people were like, no, I kind of like my Tabor refund. I did the math, I would have been worse off. Even though my property taxes are going up like 50%, um, I would have been worse off missing those Tabor refunds. And I think a lot of folks said, hey, I'm not gonna go for this. And what I really want the legislature to do is to make bipartisanship cool again or great again, or or whatever, or doable again, or wantable again, um, because the Republicans were willing to work with the Democrats. They put up a bunch of different pieces of legislation only to have those shot down because what the Democrats really wanted to do is not let a bad situation go to waste, right? Um, They wanted to get rid of Tabor. It was like their final chance to nail, you know, put that last nail in the coffin. Um, They weren't really interested in giving property tax relief. So I'm hoping this time they're gonna be like, well, maybe we could be a little bit bipartisan. They can actually get together and be productive and not try to scam the American voter again.
0: And I think Colorado voters have spoken. So hopefully they go into the session with that in mind, Tyrone.
3: Uh, And you're not going to even have a shot at getting rid of a reforming TABOR with a proposition that some describe as harder than algebra. And I remember seeing, uh, you know, actually getting my blue book and flipping through pages and pages and there's charts and there's graphs, you know. And I think opponents of HH really uh, leaned on the lack of clarity about whether this even lowers folks' taxes. Um, And when you have cold, hard checks coming in the mail via TABOR, that's been happening for years, you're not gonna have a shot um, of even putting a dent in it with something this complex and convoluted. So hopefully the silver lining in all of this is that this gets people to the table, uh, has them work together, and we come up with a common sense solution.
0: Let's hope so. But Ed, they're not starting work till next Friday the next week is a short week because of Thanksgiving, and the clock is ticking for them to get this done soon.
4: It's an interesting choice to start work on a Friday, which means you're going to have to work through the weekend, which means they're going to put pressure on legislators. I'm willing to bet there are some who are already planning to be out of town by then. I think the idea, though, is that there is no plan going into this, and this will give people a week behind the scenes to try to discuss a plan that could go forward on. I've been really interested to see, since the failure happened, I think, you know, conservatives came out and said what they've been saying all along. People don't want to give up TABOR refunds for this. You don't have to take away from TABOR in order to cut property taxes. Let's just cut property taxes. But there's been part of the Democratic Party who's come after and said, you know why this failed? Because people didn't want to give tax cuts to very wealthy houses. We want to give them targeted to the lower income houses, uh, targeted to rental assistance, which is interesting because you couldn't have done rental assistance without uh, taking away from TABOR in this. Um, And so I don't know if there is anybody going in with an idea of what's going to work right now. So the governor's plan to to start this in a week seems to be made to say, can can somebody come up with an idea that we can get a consensus on? Because I think even after this tromping at the ballot, there's no consensus about how to move forward.
0: So maybe they meet independently Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week to try to come up with a plan to present on Friday?
4: They they spend a lot of time in phone calls and in discussions trying to figure out where there might be a point of consensus, or if not, remember, the Democrats still have supermajority in the House and your supermajority in the Senate what they could do that could get something through.
1: They do have one kumbaya possibility, which is they also, uh, Polis also wants to talk about this federal funding that has come through for food for kids. So there is, it's a second little item they're going to be talking about during the special session, but it's one they should be able to agree on. They just have to agree to take the federal money.
0: Okay. All right. Next week, the next two weeks will be really interesting for all of them, for all of us. Election Day also carved out the future of school boards throughout Colorado and nationally, big turnouts by Democrats decided some key races. Krista, let's start with you.
2: Well, I want to start off um, small and then go to big, right? So I thought it was interesting that Woodland Park, um, it, it's a community that's just kind of right into the mountains, right outside of Colorado Springs. And uh, there was, a, the unions really targeted those races. Uh, there was a, an assumption that three of the conservatives would probably lose. Only, uh, only one did. So uh, they still have their conservative majority. So we'll see what happens there going forward. Nationally, it was kind of interesting. I think that abortion still continues to be a, a big issue. Maybe 75 percent of Democrats support abortion, and they are very, very very motivated um, to get out into these elections, um, whereas Republicans are divided, right? You've got Republicans that support Trump and Republicans that don't support Trump. And mm-hmm. so you put up a candidate who has uh, Trump's imprimatur, say, in Kentucky, And I have no doubt that there were Republicans that were like, I don't really want to vote for a guy that's Trump's guy. On the other hand, if you put up a a Republican that's not Trump's guy, the Trump people will be like, I don't really want to vote for that guy. So there's a division there. And then there's a question of um, how do we move forward on the abortion issue. And I think that, uh, you know, I think you have to go where the people are at in this sense. Um, I know there's a temptation to want to save all lives um, and not have any exceptions. Um, I, I know a woman who was conceived in rape. I definitely understand the desire to protect those lives. But if the people aren't there, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice some innocent lives to save more. And so I think coming out of this, the lesson should be that unless you want to lose elections, you're going to have to have abortion policies that are met by consensus agreement, which is. You know, not allowing late-term abortion, not allowing sex-selection abortion, not allowing um, eugenics types abortions, but having the kinds of exceptions that make it a palatable to the average
3: voter. Mm-hmm. Tyrone, and I'd like to actually stick with uh, the the win in Ohio regarding the right to choose and having that codified in their constitution, as we've discussed a number of times, these Supreme Court cases that have been coming down. Um, And I sort of remember Thurgood Marshall, before he was a Supreme Court justice, when he was at the NAACP, one of the sort of mottos and slogans there was, justice in the courts or justice in the streets. And when we have some of these decisions coming down, wherein it seems like we're not going to get any relief in the courts, what we see in Ohio is them actually taking it to the voters and finding a way um, to actually carve out exactly uh, the will of what they want, which in this case was the right to choose uh, through the legislative process. So I think we're going to see this probably um, as it relates to some of these other um, decisions that we've seen, we're probably going to see uh, this as a reaction to Dobbs and other states, um, but it's gonna be very interesting and the people have spoken obviously in Ohio.
4: I'm going to actually link Ohio and the Denver public schools race, um, however odd okay. that sounds, because I think they were both uh, characteristic of what was happening on election night, both locally and nationally, and that was pushback against things that are going on. I think voters are reacting more than we've seen in recent years, coming forward and saying, you know what, I- I'm-, I'm okay voting my party line uh, right up until something happens that I don't like. And and I think we saw that particularly in at the Denver public schools race. You look around the state and union Backed school board candidates did very well in a number of areas where they don't necessarily, uh, you know, they aren't expected to do hugely well, even Cherry Creek School District, places like that. Uh, and you see them get obliterated in Denver. It is a reaction from the public, and I think it takes um, something that personally affects the public for them to get activated to go out there to say, like in the Denver public schools this board has become a disaster. I'm not sure I'm proud of my school system anymore. We need to bring new people in, even if they are not the people that we would typically have been electing over the last several years here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see that in the national politics. I, th- I think you see that in, in some city council races too. I mean, I in the end, it looks like Bob Yates may not be the next mayor of Boulder, but a Republican came this close to doing that because people were reacting to what they uh, perceived as a public safety crisis in Boulder, and they didn't care if they were 90% Democrats or whatever Boulder is. They wanted somebody who spoke their language on that, uh, that subject. So um, reaction from voters is something to keep in mind, especially as we're going into a big year in
3: 2024.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I will stay with the Denver Public School Board. There was so little about that race that had to do with the actual education. I mean, except they were educating, voters were educating the current board just how disgusted they've been with the shenanigans going on at DPS, no good example for kids. So, and it and the Youngquist and the others made it easy because they were good candidates in any case. John Youngquist, former principal at East, he certainly knows his stuff. I think he'll be a very good board member. But you didn't hear much about education. You heard about school safety. That was certainly an issue to, um, to go to what Ed was saying. But people want their school boards to start behaving a little better. And I think that's at least one of the wins in Woodland. You have one of the wins in Douglas County. People want to see adults in the room.
0: Yeah. So before we break away from politics, Ed, you're talking about the, about the Boulder race. That was ranked choice voting, too.
4: Yes, it was. And, and it was, uh, in fact, it may have been ranked choice voting that actually allowed uh, Aaron Brockett mm-hmm. to keep his mayorship of Boulder, um, because so many people who wanted, uh, Aaron is kind of a center-left Democrat, uh, so many people who wanted somebody left of him had the opportunity to say, well, I'm going to vote for her first, but he gets my vote if she doesn't make it. And that's exactly what turned it in the end. I think a lot of folks are going to be watching uh, that election and saying, maybe ranked choice voting, it's about time for our community. This week,
0: jurors in Aurora found a police officer not guilty on all counts related to the death of Elijah McClain in 2019. Last month, a jury was split when considering the guilt of two other officers. Tyrone, there is still another trial coming up later on this month involving the paramedics who gave Elijah McClain that ketamine. Uh, But already we are hearing, is justice being served? And people are questioning what is happening in,
3: in Aurora. And let me say in no uncertain terms, this is unequivocally a disappointment for police uh, accountability here. Uh, This was not a first degree after deliberation murder type case. This wasn't a second degree knowing or intentional murder. We're talking about reckless manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. And I think it was very obvious that the officers in both of these cases were both negligent and reckless and caused the death of Mr. McLean. He's walking home, minding his own business, and he's accosted um, by, in the most recent trial, Officer Woodward. And, you know, it is, I think, undisputably the ketamine that eventually uh, led uh, to his his death. But there were a chain of events that, starting with Officer Woodward, cascaded and ultimately left um, to, to, to this homicide. So... I think we're finally getting, I think, some insight into sort of what's been going on with these first two trials. They're all really leaning on causation and pointing towards the paramedics who um, administer the ketamine. And it's the stuff that you don't necessarily hear about in the news that I think makes the difference. There was a causation instruction that I actually have here that was given to the jury, and this is not a model instruction. Like, we have Supreme Court model instructions that have been promulgated over years. These are the ones that lawyers debate and actually uh, put forth there. This is a non-model instruction. It's based on case law that define causation. But interestingly, what we don't have in this particular instruction is an instruction on the chain of events, right? If you set off a chain of events, you can be held liable for the causation. That's cognized in our case law. It's not in this instruction. In order for that chain of events to be broken, there actually has to be a destruction of the causal connection that is not defined here as well, right? There can't just be some intervening cause. This intervening cause needs to actually destroy the causal connection. And there's also an instruction that is part of the model instructions that talks about what juries should do when there's multiple defendants. That was not given. So when you look at a defense where you're not necessarily, and this is especially with Officer Woodward's case, the most recent one, where he took the stand and essentially admitted wrongdoing, um, but if you're not instructed as to how causation works and all of that wrongdoing, I think we're seeing sort of you know, how we got to where we are. Now, the paramedics, I think, are not going to have that same benefit, but I think there's going to be a lot of finger pointing back and forth. It's interesting that they're keeping them together, and those two cases have not been severed. Ed. I'm curious,
4: uh, from my, and I I don't claim to be a civil rights expert like Tyrone is. Um, I'm curious from my point of view, what happens next legislatively? Because I think we saw a lot of the police accountability legislation come about in reaction to the George Floyd killing in 2020. Um, Where do you go from here? And I've been trying to watch uh, legislators' uh, Twitter accounts uh, and and explaining what they think was wrong about this. And and certainly, we've already weighed in on ketamine as a state. And I think we're going to find out in the next, trial how much the state's law on cannabine um, is going to affect the ability to convict someone with that. Um, but. What Colorado has not weighed in on that I see people complaining about is carotid chokeholds. Um, the idea that respiratory chokehold where you're really meaning to choke someone to death is illegal here for police to do. Carotid chokeholds are not. Those are the chokeholds where you try to choke someone so that the blood flow goes down and they, they pass out unconscious. Now, police will tell you this is a way of avoiding further violence. If we didn't do this, we'd be shooting dangerous suspects. But I'm wondering after this that the carotid chokehold, since it had uh, it was part of the effect here in the chain. Is that something the legislature will continue, will consider going after next? Will that be, uh, will we try to go after exactly what Tyrone was talking about here and trying to lay out uh, the instructions more for a jury how to consider this chain of events? Or Do you just go after something like a keratoid chokehold and say that's no more? I think these are be- discussions that are just beginning. I'm just trying to figure out how this proceeds from here with so much disappointment around the decision.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, and even before the carotid chokehold, you have to think about the over response to a call made to nine one one for someone who was just kind of suspicious, but they weren't really talking about a danger. You have a kid walking down the street, dancing and holding some iced tea and wearing a face mask. I mean, obviously, it, maybe that looked a little suspicious, but there was nothing in how he initially responded to them when he was saying, "You know, I'm a private person. Don't touch me," um, but. He was not a danger. So the overreaction from the start is something we have to consider. I don't think that's a legislative thing. We now see Aurora has been under Phil Weiser. They've been watching him, the the Aurora Police Department. Aurora Police Department, I think, has improved. We would have heard of other incidents, I think, by now. Nothing as egregious as this. But... It's just so tragic. From the start, there were so many mistakes made and they just piled on top of each other. And I do think the paramedics will wind up perhaps not having the luck that Woodard, Woodard did. Mm-hmm. Krista.
2: And the situation is so tragic. Like you were saying, uh, a completely innocent young man, only 23 years old, somebody who loved animals and loved playing the violin, just this you know, wonderful soul walking down the street, um, an overreaction by police, You've got the chokehold. You've got the use of ketamine. All of that ends up with the loss of this young man's life, and that is tragic. I think the only consolation coming out of that is that we have seen work on ketamine. We'll probably see the legislature addressing the chokeholds, and we will. Um, we, we're seeing the department looking at how do you not overreact to somebody who's who's not a threat. Um, I mean, who 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 doesn't? I don't know. I just remember being 23 and. Dancing down the street myself. So I, how do you, how do you not react to that? How do we have safeguards in place so these things do not happen again? Mm-hmm. It's slim consolation because there's no way to bring him back.
3: And okay. I think to Kyle's good point. Um, you know, similar to what we saw in Ohio, where the courts. Um, are unable to deliver justice to the people, the people will speak, and we will hopefully uh, you know, see something by way of, of legislation or uh, law changes. Um, I agree that the, the cartoid choke needs to be outlawed as, all, as well. As someone prior to being a lawyer who was essentially an expert in all things chokes and, 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 and submissions as I was a professional fighter, I can tell you that someone who even has a, significant amount of training to institute that type of choke versus an air choke is very, very difficult, and officers have no business choking anyone.
0: Okay. While we're talking about Aurora, let's talk about what happened this week in Aurora. Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman was re-elected for a second term, and more Republicans will be joining the
4: council. Ed, let's start with you. It's interesting to watch this, especially because Aurora's got an all-democratic delegation at the state house. So you figure, is there a disconnect here? Why is it the people of Aurora are going to elect and re-elect a conservative slate when they don't do that for their legislators? I think, and I'm going to go back to the point I made about Boulder, I think this was a public safety decision. Uh, I think if you look in the last two years, what has the Aurora City Council done most, other than fight with each other, um, and, and that is they have implemented several public safety laws that have kind of put them ahead, whether that be some of the extra penalties for car theft, things like that. I think that people were reacting to that. I think that is a message, if the Republicans are looking for something that sells in 2024, uh, that is one that that does. And in fact, uh, one of the things that's been interesting is it's been a very proactive message. We are going to do this. Not this is so horrible, but we are going to do this to protect you. I think that's, uh, with no research polls to show that, I think that played a big part in that Um, because it's one thing for Mike Kaufman, a well-known name, to win again. It's another to take that whole slate with him almost, with with one exception. Um, And I think people will study that to find out why it is that works. But I think public safety is at the heart.
1: That's interesting. Patty? Well, what's really interesting is Aurora is the most diverse city in Colorado. You have a huge immigrant population, refugees, 160 languages spoken in Aurora, And all these people could come together and agree, I think Ed's right, public safety, and you can have public safety with, and still have a police force that behaves responsibly. So it's an interesting message coming from Aurora that that is a town that is trying to improve itself, in many ways and I think also people were tired of the fighting on city council and they knew that might continue depending on who they voted for so we had bets in our office someone I'm not going to name the reporter who thought that Kaufman wouldn't win but it seemed pretty clear from the get-go that he would win yeah and keep pushing his agenda
2: yeah I'm really happy that Mike won he's a really good guy and he's made you know he's worked really hard he's a um, a great example of just a guy who gets out in, and shakes a lot of hands and meets a lot of people and talks to a lot of people. I, um, the old kind of old-fashioned politics. He works really hard at connecting with people. And he's he's just really well-liked, especially by a lot of the immigrant communities. And he, he's just a great champion for the city. And I happen to love Aurora because it's the land of great food. And, you know, there's just so many neat things about that city because it is so Diverse, And I, I love the fact that they added uh, more to the, c- the conservative uh, or right-leaning uh, city council. I think that's great for the city. I think it'll make s- uh, Aurora the safer, uh, better, lower drama sister to Denver and some of the other metro communities.
3: We'll see. And just to pop away from Aurora very briefly, but we are talking about public safety. um, I'd like to just address the sort of what seems to be a compromise uh, reached on rental assistance here in Denver, um, and a compromise that seems to be much more in line with the 30 uh, million that city council was requesting, not I think the 14 uh, that Mayor Johnston wanted to put forth. Um, Keeping people in their homes, making sure that they are not evicted, and our new residents of these tiny home uh, villages, I think, is just paramount in public safety. And so it, it's nice to see that it looks like the city of Aurora is prioritizing that sort of across even party lines and that we are coming to compromises here in Denver to do the same.
0: It's nice to see that the new mayor and the new makeup of the council, you know, they've been going back and forth as to how much money should go to this. And the, the budget has to be approved at Monday night's council meeting here in Denver. So. Um, it's good that there is a compromise. It's good to see that's already starting. All right, now it is time for our panel to share what they see as a high and low of this week, and there have been a lot on both sides. Patty, we'll start with you and a low.
1: Well, a story we didn't really get to talk about, but the funeral home in Penrose, oh, yeah. that just appalling what's been happening, and the founders, the couple rested in Oklahoma. So We will see justice there, let's hope. You know, and choosing the topics each week, I have stayed away from that because of the reaction each of you had. It's such an
0: awful thing to talk about. But to see that those two have been arrested, for those families at least, hopefully. Okay.
2: So not quite that bad, but still pretty bad. I'm going to have to say that the disgrace of the week goes to the Colorado GOP, this time for picking Carrie Lake as their fundraiser speaker. It was like nobody else available than a con woman from, from Arizona, somebody who still hasn't conceded her own race. And then they did some kind of interview, Dave Williams, with Laura Loomer, an avowed white nationalist. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, what, what are you trying to... What is the message you're trying to get out there? Um, maybe... Uh, you know, the Democrats are doing some crazy things. Maybe let their crazy shine this time around.
3: OK all right. And since we are talking about public safety and the budget, uh, my disgrace is the Office of Neighborhood Safety being snubbed um, in the budget uh, by, by uh, the mayor uh, of Denver Mike Johnson. Um, You know, we've spoken about the Elijah McClain case here today. Uh, We've spoken about the need to put forth common sense uh, public safety measures, and this was supposed to be an office that prioritized that and really uh, rethought uh, how we just keep our our communities safe. And the fact that we're going to have roughly $2 million going to pickleball courts and the one and a half that they wanted for this office of neighborhood safety was um, snubbed is just my disgrace for the week. I had not heard that. Okay, thank
4: you. Clearly, Patty and I didn't talk, because I had the same thought here on the return to nature folks. Um, The thing that particularly struck me as they fled the state and and were captured um, was that they're gonna be brought back here and they're gonna be treated with a lot more dignity by the judicial system than they gave to the bodies of the loved ones who were left in their care. I hope this is not the last time we hear about um, uh, things coming down upon these folks. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay, Uh, let's talk about something positive. Veterans Day coming up on Saturday, mm-hmm. there are ass- assorted parades, fun runs, mm-hmm. and in Aurora again, there's a beautiful luminaria display that is lit up every night for three nights in uh, showing the people who passed away in the service of their country. So it's a good weekend to remember. Yes, it is.
2: I want to give a hats off to the anti-prop HH people. Um, Independence Institute, a bunch of other right-leaning organizations actually worked together, did a great great ads, great information. Um I think they did a great job, and it paid off.
3: Mm-hmm. Tyron. And I'm going to give a, a shout to the Solicitor General. Um, we talked a lot about justice in, in, in the streets by way of voters, um, but they had oral argument in the Rahimi case, which uh, is, is a Second Amendment uh, gun rights case, um, and it seems like this historical analysis that came out of the Bruin case, which has just been overly broad, there's maybe some inroads here legally uh, to start narrowing that decision, which I think is going to have a ripple effect here in Colorado. So um, I think props to them for putting forth a a good argument. It seems like the court, um, we won't know really until next June, but it seems like the court was with them and it's just gonna be about how narrow or broad a favorable ruling will ultimately be.
4: Over eight years at the Colorado legislature, in the past four years, I guess just the past three years now, uh, on the Jefferson County Commission, Tracy Craft Tharp has developed a reputation as someone who does the thing that we were talking about today, compromises, seeks to go to the other side of the aisle, and is a moderate. Uh, Just this week, she announced that she was not going to run for re-election, saying that it was time to step away from the public sphere and take care of things, including going to more Rockies games. I love that kind of thinking, that that you can get out of elected office and and still do well, and she deserves to be honored for her career in the public sphere.
0: Okay, thanks for mentioning that. My pause of the week well, there are actually two, and they are the phone calls that I receive from my daughters who are away at college after they voted or mailed in their ballots for the first time. It was great. One voted on her campus, one put her uh, about the mail, sent it back to Colorado. And it was just, they were, you could tell in their voices, they were like, I did something good or I'm being listened to. And I think that's what we all have to remember when it comes to election day, that this is our chance. be heard. So I'm happy for them and for everybody who turned out on election day. Um, On this busy week, I thank you all for coming and being so prepared and joining us for Colorado Inside Out. And thank you for watching at home and joining in on your device as well, or perhaps you're listening on our Spotify podcast. So thank you very much. And again, thanks to all of our veterans for your service to our country. We so appreciate you. I am Kyle Dyer, and I will see you next week here on PBS 12.